Hi, my name is Jason Otero, and you're listening to the Slapcast. Welcome. Welcome to this episode, episode 51 of the Slapcast. I'm Jason Otero, and I'll be your host today. Shannon Lee is here with me. Say hi, Shannon. Hi, everyone. As well as Jonathan, the producer, all one word, hashtag it, look it up. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan's in here producing with us. And we thought it'd be interesting to talk about something that's top of mind for all of us so much of the time. And that topic is fear. Dun, dun, dun. Are you scared yet? I'm really scared. We want to talk about fear, the role it can have, it can be our friend, it can be our enemy, and it's really up to us what we do with fear. But it's something that we face on large and small scales every single day, and I just want to encourage us as we jump into this that, that as we wade through fear together, fear is not the enemy today. So as you're listening to this, fear not, is what I would say. <laughs> Um, don't be afraid. I want to start. I feel like you um, say the F word a lot today. Yes, this is the F word. <laughs> and this is the F word that can hold you back from experiencing your best in leadership and relationships. Fear can have a very toxic effect on us. Mm-hmm. It can also be our friend. So I just want to encourage you as we start this off, fear is not the enemy. Shannon, do you feel like fear is your enemy sometimes? Sometimes. I mean, I, mean, I used to... Back when I was in my 20s, I was in my first leadership experience. I was 20 years old. I had a staff of about 30 people, and I didn't know what I was doing. And the fear was gripping me so much of just the role and the decisions I had to make on a day-to-day basis that it crossed over into anxiety. And anxiety, I've heard described, I don't know if this is like you know, an actual medical terminology, but I've heard anxiety described as fear that is... Um, basically presenting in the in the in the physical like in your body mm-hmm. and it got so bad the fear got so bad that I was debilitated um, sometimes to where I would have these um, panic attacks mm. that would last all night long and all I could do was just lay in a fetal position and not move for hours and hours and hours at a time and um, it hit such a threshold that I actually sought professional help for that got on some medication and um, I don't need that medication anymore today. I learned how to deal with my fears and, and through cognitive behavioral therapy. It's actually one of my big influences in, in what I do today. However, what I will say is that um, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. I thought it was something to be avoided. I thought it was something, and I also thought it was something that was totally out of my control. Right. Totally out of my control, which is very scary in itself. Yeah, and I think we all can look at moments or maybe we have that thing that we are fearful of. I always, you know, I was always afraid of heights growing up. Oh, yeah, me too. And so Still. One, one day when I was a young, dumb college student, I decided to go skydiving <laughs> because I thought this is how you face the fear. Now, this is like the height of like the X Games movement. So it was like super cool to do this, which is it is cool to skydive. Um. And like everything was going well and I was like, we got in the night before to go camping there and you see people like that were pros coming in at sunset and they're like skimming across the dew of the grass in the evening. And, uh, and then the next day they like put me in a jumpsuit and they tell me I'm the first one out the window. 
um, and now this is getting real. And this is tandem, so you're like hanging out of the plane. So you're hanging out of the plane, there's somebody attached to you, you've met them for five minutes, and now they're in control of your destiny, and you've already signed your life away. Like, they have you signed, they can... Yeah, your wife's not getting a payment no, from them. nothing or anything. At all. Hopefully like, you have life insurance. I signed it. I will not hold you liable. Yeah. It does? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. They could... They could cut the parachute, abuse you on the way down. They could do. They could beat you up. There's nothing. It's a it's a masochist yeah. dream. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> I'm gonna be a skydiving tandem coach Which, and beat people on the way that down. Would, that would be a fearful experience as well. But like, so I went through that whole experience to face my fear, and it turns out I'm just afraid of like up to 20, 30 feet. It's not like from the sky, so it did nothing for that issue. I still don't like being on top of ladders. But Wait, are you saying you weren't afraid to be up? in the sky like that and do no, it? No, I just got back on a ladder and it didn't help. Like having... Oh, so, okay. I was going to say, wow, yeah. maybe I should try that, but yeah. I'm not going to. I would to. recommend everyone try it. No. Uh, 120 miles an hour I'm is... not going to do that. ...swift speed. Um, <laughs> it was really cool. I get to say I did it, but unfortunately now with two kids, when they decide to do it, I have no argument. Like it's... You did it, Dad, right? So, um, so anyway. Yeah, but if I could digress for just a moment, there's a lot of stupid <laughs> things that I did that I'm still going to tell my kids don't do that out of responsibility. Not that this was stupid. So is that I don't just like a, well, honey, Daddy was an idiot and you're so much smarter than me. It could be. It Try could that. be. Yeah. But like if I, if I dropped acid on the weekends, I'm not going to say to my kid, well, I did it. So you might as well. Like, right. I'm not going to do that. I didn't drop acid on the weekends, by the <laughs> that way. That was a strangely specific <laughs> example. Very specific. Yeah. Only the weekdays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was 1999, Dave Matthews Live. I mean, I no, I mean, what? Right. So anyway, I back, know why I back, went there. back to fear. There's something so wrong with me. I want to start offering up this idea that fear is not the enemy. We can all think of times where fears may have been crippling in our lives. We've experienced fearful moments. We've made decisions we regret out of fear. But fear itself is not the enemy. And, and here are some examples of how that could happen. Here are some examples of how we can know that. Fear can be, rather than the enemy, it can be an indicator that growth is ahead. Think about times where you've been stretched. When you look at seasons that were maybe difficult at work or in life, maybe you had a goal you set out to achieve and you're in the middle of this and you're like, oh my gosh, is this thing going to fail? Is this where I die? Is this like <laughs> halfway to my goal? And we have these moments of fear. And what do we realize? We made it to the other side. We realized that it didn't kill us. And oh my gosh, that fear was an indicator that I was about to be stretched out of my comfort zone. That is an indicator. You may be about to experience a season or an experience that can lead to growth. Now, growth doesn't sound like an enemy. Fear does. Yeah. But fear can be an indicator that we're about to experience that. I do think growth is almost always a little uncomfortable, though. Absolutely. It's almost, I mean, even just, not that everything has to compare to a physical experience, but even when you think about kids growing and they have growing pains, you know, um, or when you're learning something new, they've, Perry Moffmer's talk, talked about this at Leadership Forum a couple of years ago, how they've actually proven now that when you're thinking, you're, you're, your brain's burning like, I don't know what. 26% of your calories or something. I probably have that percentage off. It's probably like 16%. I don't know. It was more than you would think mm -hmm. that, it, that it requires because of thinking and that you actually burn more calories when you're learning something new because you're causing new synapses to be created right. in your brain. And so he said, so if you feel like learning something new is painful, it is. Right. 
it is, which I thought was really fascinating to me. Right. Think of maybe you've picked up a new hobby at some point. You've learned something new. You developed a, a new interest. At some point, you were nervous about experiencing that for the first time. Do you remember driving the first time? Like the yes. first time. So learning permit was gone for me. And I am and I lived out in the country. So the roads were like really curvy. You had to pay attention. Um, and I was fearful. And it was exciting, but I found this new freedom in it. Or a fearful moment was like that first drive home from the hospital with the first kid. Oh my like gosh. I am driving 20 miles an hour down 315 in Columbus. With a new human and I'm has yelling a soul. at every car. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And there's fear in that moment. What was I afraid of? It wasn't really the drive. It was this new experience. I'm going to break this child. I'm convinced of it, right? But along the way, we learned that that fear can be an indicator of growth as something new is ahead. I think another thing that a fear can indicate or fear not another example of fear not being the enemy is that fear can be the first thing we experience in a defining moment in our life. We all look at those moments that maybe they were a moment of crisis that shaped us positive or negatively. We talk about this when in our, in our change your mind, change your world workshop that we offer that there are experiences that have shaped our thinking and how we approach every experience in life. And maybe for you, a defining moment started with fear. Let me give you an example. For uh, over a decade, I was a pastor, and I remember being a young, arrogant guy, fresh out of Bible college, and I was given this role to pastor this small church that this denomination was wanting to invest and kind of revitalize. So they would hire a young pastor to come in. Um, And at that time, my job, I thought, was to kind of come in and change the organization overnight and make it this hip church, and we were going to be the church that went from like pews to fog machines. Like this was going to (laughs) happen, right? And so the church had experienced this growth, and there were a lot of things that I had an idea, I had a feel. Because like when you're young, you kind of have an idea what young families might be interested in. And so all these things are happening. And I remember one night early into this season uh, of, of, of ministry at this church and I get a phone call during dinner and I'm this, this family is in hysterics that I need to get to this property that's like five miles away. A family member's house is on fire. And so like, that's scary. And that's a, that's a traumatic moment. So I remember getting in the car and like the adrenaline's pumping a little bit. And then you get to uh, the property and it's police everywhere and ambulance and the family's really disturbed. And a police officer walks up to me and he says, are you the pastor? I say, yes. And he says, you need to get to the hospital before the family does. And inevitably what that means is something had gone seriously wrong in this fire. And I knew that all those moments of training, I'd prepared for this. This was a crisis. This was real. Something bad had happened. And they told me I needed to be at the consultation room before the family got there, meaning that there had been, you know, a a fatality um, as a result of this house fire. And I remember... I get in the car and I'm, I'm, I'm driving and I look at the steering wheel and my knuckles are so bright white because <laughs> I'm about to bend the steering wheel in half because I'm so nervous in this moment. And all the fears of like, oh, you're just young, you're an area, what do you know? What wisdom are you going to bring to this moment as a young, cocky guy that's, you know, you, this family has socks older than you. Like, what are you going to say that's going to bring comfort in this moment, in this tragic situation? And And I had this moment of fear come over me. I'm so inadequate for this moment. And then that moment was also met with a peace that, you know what? In spite of this fear, this is a moment that I was designed to be present for. This is a part of who I am. And specifically to this situation, I'm supposed to be available here. And that fear all of a sudden was met with a peace that I am on this earth for these next few minutes, for this moment, for this family. And 
the fear didn't go away when I got to the hospital. The fear didn't go away when I was in the hospitality room. The fear didn't go away as the doctor met with the family and just all of the things that you see in that type of moment and scene. Um, it was very, uh, it was a very raw experience. But fear was also integrated with a defining moment that reinforced for right now, this is who I'm supposed to be and I am supposed to be available. And it brought me to a present place when I was most needed uh, in in that situation. It humbled me as well. But fear can shape a defining moment. Um, Has that ever happened for you or you want to speak to that maybe? Yeah, I think what what started, what was kind of jogging me in my thoughts was this idea that we can function in the midst of fear. I think human beings are kind of wired for pleasure. And so whenever we feel afraid, that's a bad feeling. It's a negative feeling. I don't think most people feel fear and go, yes, this is amazing, <laughs> right? Um, and so when we feel these negative or bad feelings, our, indi- our, our inclination is to run from them mm-hmm. and to alleviate whatever circumstance we think is causing the fear by either avoiding something um, it could be as simple as procrastination. It could be as big as um, avoiding a relationship, talking to someone. And then sometimes it can be a healthy fear that's keeping us from something that's truly unsafe for mm-hmm. us. So it can be very useful in that. But the big lesson for me and what you shared was we can still function and live through the fear and endure it and be okay on the other end, even if it's not alleviated. Mm -hmm. Like fear, if you think about it this way, fear in any other feeling is just that, a feeling. You are not your feelings, you experience feelings. Feelings don't have the power to harm you, to physically harm you, Mm -hmm. you know, to kill you. And I think we know that intellectually, but unfortunately our brain doesn't know that because the primitive man, fear was used in the, in the brain, in the amygdala for different things, like fight or flight, like I'm being chased by a bear, right? Mm-hmm. And I need to survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas most of us, I don't think, are, are fighting for our lives every day, at least not in my sphere of influence. There's just, you know, the kind of fear we're facing are more things like financial insecurities and job losses and, um, you know, fear that someone's not going to like us or, mm-hmm. or fear. And, and of course, the example you gave was definitely had to do with something very serious with loss of life. Um, but we also face fears around losing our loved ones if they get sick, things like that. I, I feel like as a mother, There's always this, it's much better now, but especially when the kids were younger, I thought of this when you were talking about bringing your first newborn home. I felt like there was always this constant undercurrent of fear that if if I wasn't going to break this kid, something else was going to break this kid. And they were going to run out into traffic or the bus driver was going to wreck on the way to school or, I mean, there's an endless barrage of things that can inspire me to fear. But the one thing fear has never done to me, it's never killed me. Mm -hmm. I'm still here. I'm still here and we can choose to leverage it to teach us something in these defining moments to kind of take notice of what's happening or we can really, you know, um, be debilitated Mm -hmm. by it. And I would say for at least the first, more than the first half of my life, um, I would say for at least three quarters of my life, fear has always been a debilitating Mm -hmm. experience for me where it just stopped me dead in my tracks. Yeah. And um, and you didn't let that happen. You didn't let that happen. You let it define something mm-hmm. new for you, which is amazing. Yeah, I think a powerful thing that we can do in that moment when we're feeling fear is to identify and say, I feel afraid. 
something happened to us when we lost our wonder going from kids to adults where we were like afraid to speak of fear Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge it. It's like, well, I don't think there's a boogeyman in the closet anymore, so I don't talk about fear anymore. Like the deep fear within us that we face from time to time. But I think it's very important to acknowledge it and not to end there. I feel afraid and dot, dot, dot. Now, what happens in the and dot, dot, dot is the secret (laughs) sauce of all of this that we're talking about. Um, And when we think historically even of fear not being an enemy, Um, I think of, you know, you think of veterans in situations like storming, you know, U.S. veterans storming the the beaches of Normandy, you know, facing what they thought was an inevitable doom. Fear was existent. You know, as a kid, I would see like soldiers and I was like, they don't feel any fear. Um, As you meet and talk with family members that have maybe served overseas, they're like, no, you feel fear and, uh, and this is how you respond. You think of um, leaders and thought, um, as 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 you think of of Gandhi and the fasting and the and the lessons that would come out of that, um, you think of tense situations and the violence and the civil rights movement still marching and speaking and making a difference. There were moments where there was much to be afraid of. It was I was afraid and yet still, or I am afraid but I respond like this. And so fear is a, is is an indicator, not necessarily an enemy um, every time. But I would say this. If we think we can just avoid or resist fear, it will often intensify or remain. If you think you're just going to avoid it. It's like it builds up. Yes. Or ignore it. I can assure you it will compound. It's like um, we talk about, I'm just going to bury these bad feelings deep down inside and they're never going to come up. Yes, they will. (laughs) That reminds me. Yes, they will. (laughs) Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I I don't know. I I once. (laughs) Maybe. I once. Because it's something I told you recently. So I was working with a group of people, and we were talking about um, what we call the hula hoop of change. And Mm -hmm. I won't go into it here. I've talked about it before on the podcast. Go find the episode. But we were taking a break. And this gentleman came up to me on the break, and he said, I think I'm in the wrong class. Mm. called it a class. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, because I don't have any feelings at work. And I said, oh, I'm sure you do. I'm sure that, you know— you know, we'll talk about how I can help you with that if you'd like. I said, but I'm sure you've got him. He goes, well, yeah, I bury him like a real man. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was funny, but he was dead serious. Like he, that was this respectable that, solution. That was, yeah. Fear. And yeah. then he walked out of the room. Yeah. Like yeah. It, that was it. It was mm-hmm. period. End of story. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's um, not. <laughs> yeah. Well, the new thing that I'm doing, and I think I shared this with you the other day, and I talked about it today when we did the change your, uh, change your mind, change your world uh workshop is that what you said about resisting fear can oftentimes compound it. And I 100% believe that's true. I believe that's true about any negative emotion. I think if we're trying to resist feeling shame or resist guilt or resist anger or sadness, that um, basically what we're doing is we're not processing it. Mm-hmm. And by not processing it, it like becomes a dam mm-hmm. and it starts to build up and, and overwhelm, which is what's happening to me, how my fear moved into anxiety. Yeah. Fear or any other quote unquote negative emotion or bad emotion is norm is still normal. It's still a normal part of the human experience. But what I don't think we're meant to bear is when those negative emotions become damaging. Yeah. And one of the ways that I, that's been really helping me not allow um, or I shouldn't say not allow, what's been helping me prevent that building up is not just by saying, okay, I'm feeling fear and, like that's where I start, 
But now I'm saying I welcome this feeling of fear. I welcome this sadness. Mm -hmm. I welcome this anxiety. I welcome this annoyance. I welcome this frustration. Just I, whatever the feeling is that I identify, I say to myself that I welcome it. And I try to welcome it mm -hmm. as readily as I welcome joy, as mm -hmm. readily as I welcome peace and curiosity and happiness. Yeah. And that sounds counterintuitive, but the more we welcome the negative emotions, it's like we're teaching our brain that this is okay too. Mm -hmm. You can do this. You will not die. And um, it, it just does something to my thinking. And it kind of like lets the dam break open mm -hmm. and it allows the feeling to now pass through. Yeah. It's here to do a job. It's an indicator. And I talk about this often where um, all of our emotions are indicators like we have indicators in our car. Mm -hmm. When your low oil light comes on or your low fuel light comes on, you don't go, oh, no, I don't want to be seeing that. No, you go to the right. freaking gas station and you fill up your tank. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, and the more you avoid things like that, you're going to find yourself stranded on the side of the road. And so by acknowledging, oh, this is happening and mm -hmm. I welcome it, that actually frees us to act yeah. and to take the next kind of think about our choices and take the next best step. Okay, that concludes this episode, part one of this conversation. If you want to connect with Relay, just shoot us an email at slapcast at relayleadership.com. Dot org, or I can be reached directly at jason at relayleadership.org. Love to connect with you. Uh, if you can find us on socials at Relay Leadership. Until next time.